Welcome to the Tipsy and Peachy Podcast Show with me, your host, Leah. We find ourselves in the middle of piecing together parts of what happened, where they were that day, who they spoke to in the past week, what their relationships were like in the distant past that could have affected their future, or the lack thereof. Was this simply a case of bad luck? Were they victims of the wrong place and the wrong time? Was this premeditated? Did all the traceable and untraceable moments lead up to this final one? Welcome to episode 8, where we talk about why we love listening to murder mysteries and the like, and we sort of touch on how this affects us as listeners. See, I like to think that the human mind is conditioned to try to figure out what we cannot understand, and it's not just about these kinds of things. I mean, think about it. We want to understand numbers. We are so curious to find out why things are the way they are. We have the laws of physics and biology and chemistry and a lot of these investigative kinds of studies where it just proves that we are innately curious and we try to find answers for things. And I think that it then begs the question in these kinds of terrible instances that we want to find out why these terrible things happen and why people have the capacity to do these kinds of things, and we want to just find answers for the kinds of things that we don't understand. Before we get into it, I actually saw this podcast going into this kind of direction where we talk about these kinds of things and dissect certain cases, but then I think there are so much of those already and yeah, I think we live in the kind of generation where it's so in demand and it's so common to be very much invested in these kinds of things and to dive into that, I think that, well, at least from my experience and from my knowledge without doing much research, I think that it became popular, well, I think cases and, you know, unsolved cases or murder cases have always been popular. Um, We have tons of fiction work, so we kind of think about stuff like Edgar Allan Poe and lots of different popular books from way, way, way back then that discussed, you know, things of this kind of nature. And it's It's just been around forever. And as early as my memory goes, I think that 
um, in my time, there were creepy subpages and sites that blew these kinds of things up. There was Creepypasta, which was a really popular place to spook yourself out. But then I think that the problem with those kinds of sites at the time was that there were, like, it made the line between fiction and nonfiction a bit blurry. And if we think about it, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Slenderman case where there were actual people out there who committed murders because they thought that they were in communication with this being that, well, I can't say much if it's not real or or if it is, but y- you know what I mean. Um, the popularity of it kind of grew out of proportion and it put people in danger when it became popular and when they heard about these kinds of things. On the other hand, we had true crime shows. So I don't know if you had the same channels as I did growing up, but there were a lot of shows that talked about specific kinds of murderers and they had like even dramatic reenactments of the scenes of like these real things that actually happened to people. And I think that we've lived through this rapid popularity and integration of having everything on the news. So I'm not just talking about special like broadcasted shows talking about these specific kinds of things, but we are the generation of fast news. So any kind of tragedy, it just, everybody seems to know these things and we live in a very alert kind of society. So I think that it's also become integrated in our culture that we hear about these kinds of things and I hate to say that it sounds normal but well I guess it's not really normal if it's like a case that happens within a close proximity of your city because that's really fucked up but when you think about hearing about a murder somewhere in the world and you just read about it you kind of think oh news right it's it's kind of equated to news and I think the most interesting though and I think one of the most pivotal points of the popularity of the the, I mean kinds of content that discuss things of this nature is that we are literally also the BuzzFeed unsolved generation where I think it evolved to many other pages and shows that broadcast and dedicate content to what's insane and unexplained so what I mean is I think that it evolved from a lot of true crime shows and it evolved to TikTok pages and much more YouTube channels. I don't know if you guys have seen um, a lot of popular YouTube channels that animate short stories that we aren't sure are real. And then there are millions of subreddits, I'm sure, where you can hear about people's, you're not so sure if they are true stories or not. So why are we so obsessed with these kinds of shows? Actually, this episode was inspired by a TikTok I saw about how women particularly love these kinds of 
things. You know, we love listening to stories. We love listening to podcasts. We love watching shows. I think that I saw the comment section on that post and a lot of people were talking about how it's become basically background noise for them. So imagine like somebody going about their nightly routine after school or after work and they just dive into really gruesome things like I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm a fan of those kinds of things and I'm pretty sure the normal person should be grossed out and should find it really disturbing how graphic these kinds of shows actually are because they talk about things that happened in real life but somehow we've muted it to something we enjoy and I guess when I do the research about why women in particular probably enjoy this and make this like a normal thing that they like listening to compared to men I think it can be linked to women usually being the victims of horrifying crimes um, I say this because we can't take away that it's a product of gender issues in a world that is less safe for women and yeah we we know about crimes against women it's not anything new and I can imagine how different it is for cultures that don't see women the same way or when it's I think it's also disturbing if it's like uh, also combined with racial motivation to do something basically I think that we we all are kind of aware that the violence towards women is much much it's really on a grand scale and it's not to say that men don't like experience these horrifying things happening to them but I think that a lot a lot happens to women a lot of these come from really toxic relationships or a lot of these are just because women are seen a, a certain way and it makes it an easy target for them to be to fall victims to these kinds of crimes and I guess to add on that I think it gives a sense of preparedness that's why we in the same logic, enjoy watching Bear Grylls literally set himself on fire and drink his own piss, or why we watch zombie movies, because in our minds, we think that in the most extreme situations, we could probably be prepared, and like if we were to be in, a, in an unsafe situation, or suddenly a demon pops out, and we conveniently watch the nun and we have to do is some spit some jesus juice on his face and suddenly our problems are solved i think it happens when we watch these kinds of shows that we know what to watch out for especially for women like we have a warning signs not to go somewhere alone or try to keep i don't know pepper spray with us and try to keep some safety measures when we go out and try to keep tabs on people that we think are dangerous especially guys who are probably obsessive you know these these kinds of things and we re-watch them in shows because I think we like to feel like we're prepared if anything happens or we like to think that it somehow enhances our senses
But to go back to the quote I said earlier in this episode, I think we have to admit that the biggest reason why we can't help but listen to these kinds of shows and can't help but dive deep into these kinds of things is that we are innately curious. I think there's a human nature of deciphering and we want to know how a person yeah, carries the capacity of being evil and we try to put a label on these tendencies. We try our very best to come up with an understanding behind motives and we even try to put ourselves in their shoes or try to categorize these kinds of things or these kinds of people to be able to comprehend the most nerve-wracking question that is why. And I am... Actually, I did... A research paper <laughs> that was totally unnecessary by the way I think when I was in 10th grade and we were talking about how certain genetics like it when things go wrong or there are certain kinds of combinations we know that a certain person will become a certain way and I read somewhere that there was a study about how serial killers basically kind of have the same genetics or they kind of have a certain profile and I don't I don't quite remember the, the actual details on this but I'm sure you can look it up and it's actually quite interesting it it literally categorizes people in a certain way I'm also actually reminded of the Ted Bundy case, and I think it was around the time when Zac Efron's movie came out, when he portrayed the guy, and people were actually gushing about how the real-life Ted Bundy was such an attractive guy, and a lot of people took away a lot of the horrendous things that he did just because, you know, his attractiveness was suddenly a quotient to humanize him completely, which is very much flawed logic, but I'm I'm pretty sure we're on the same timeline to know that this actually happened and people on the internet were going crazy and trying to justify him in that way and trying to crush on him, which was, I think it was really disturbing. Um, but actually, that's the message of what I'm trying to say. This was, uh, this guy was a charming, unsuspecting, relatively attractive guy. And even if we like to associate absolutely horrifying crimes with people who fit horrifying descriptions. The reality is, I think that even though I talked about that research paper about how there are certain profiles and there are certain characteristics that can profile a guy to become a certain way, I think that crimes and stuff like this can be done by literally anybody. It could be done by somebody hiding behind a kind smile or somebody you know personally that you're, you're convinced wouldn't do such a thing. And I think it happens in a lot of cases where people don't believe that when people are convicted with crimes or when people confess to crimes, like, you will probably never know. You could probably pass by a random person on the street and think that everyone is as normal as you or don't think about these kinds of things but they probably have the capacity 
you probably have the capacity to do something evil like that, actually. So when this reality opens, I think we leave room to obsess over our anxieties. We know that because anybody could literally do anything terrible, we are so, like, crazy sensitive about being scared all the time and trying to obsess over being prepared and trying to like have as much knowledge as we can and I think the easiest access that we have to being quote-unquote prepared is listening to these kinds of shows or just grueling over cases that we find online. The problem about the obsession to be prepared and be alert actually affects how we function. And there is a good amount of being responsible for your safety and the safety of the ones you love, but then there's a point where it just makes you reclusive. And I will explain through an example. <laughs> when I was younger, there was this uh, VMM 507 scare. And VMM 507 was literally the plate number of this van that apparently went around abducting children to harvest their organs. And I don't know, like, I think the story goes that they sold children's organs to wealthy people. And when, when this came out and when people started talking about it, especially in my neighborhood for some reason, people were cautious especially parents to their children because it was a normal thing that children would go out in the afternoon after school and they'd play in the neighborhood you know kids were friends like neighborhood kids were friends and it was normal for people to play on the streets so imagine like it was presented to a child in a way that was scary and the child doesn't know any better so I remember when I was being told this when me and my brother were being told this by other adults and other children to stay away from vans in general. Um, obviously, being vigilant was important, but it actually went to the point that me, as a child that, that didn't know any better, was actually afraid of any moving vehicle. <laughs> so it took a while for me to recover from that. I remember I refused to go out and I refused to be in any close proximity to where a car could be mobile. So I think that there's a healthy amount of hovering and double-checking and taking safety measures, but maybe you've had too much an episode of true crime, and maybe you're thinking way too much, or maybe you're letting those words ring in your head for too long and too, yeah, too much. So I think... The cold sweats and the bothersome voice at the back of your head could be you overthinking or absorbing too much content. And in this case, I think there's just, there's, I think there's a realistic margin of just really keeping safe and keeping alert.
in line with people being curious, I think that in another sense, people just love putting pieces together. It gives us that much satisfaction to be excited because one, we listen to real stories and two, we listen to horrifying events in the comfort of our own bubble. So the sense of comfort of listening or watching such terrible things becomes addicting. It sounds horrible, but I think that people have this couldn't be me mentality and we are glad somehow that we aren't victims of these kinds of things and on the flip side I think we're glad that we aren't the perpetrators of those kinds of bad actions I mean think about it we enjoy listening to these kinds of things because we are at home I mean I'm not sure that everybody's home is safe but we like to think that it is a safe space so when you listen to tragedies that are absolutely crazy and you listen to them being solved you listen to the details of these kinds of cases you are in a place at home where you feel like it couldn't happen to you and it's it's comfortable for you to listen to these kinds of shows because you feel like you're safe but then listening to these kinds of shows actively i think it can make a misconstrued perception on what goes on in real life like tons of crime happens around us and most of those things we don't actually hear about. I mean, even if we are the type of generation that puts everything on the news, I think that media is so very much filtered to what we like. And I think it we, we are familiar with how social media kind of like caters to their users' interests based on a web of what we like on a daily basis and things that we view. But anyway... I think that we only see a small margin of these cases because most of the things that are broadcasted and talked about and sensationalized are mostly the popular ones. So I think that it gives us a false sense of being prepared because, you know, these are popular cases and it doesn't really happen everywhere. Um, Emily Dworkin, a trauma researcher, says in an article by McKenna Prinsing in a study conducted by the University of Washington Medicine, True crime focuses on instances where crimes actually occur. So there are no stories where people made the exact same choices and bad things didn't happen. That lets you draw the conclusion that their choices led to what happened. Looking at these stories with 2020 hindsight can give you a false sense of being able to use that information to prevent something similar from happening to you. In any case, we love the thrill. We love to think about the unknown and ponder on what factor weighed in the most for something to have happened that way. I think that it might be a way for us to honor the victims in these stories and try to put ourselves in their shoes. We wonder what they felt in their last moments. And maybe we think that the justice that was served by courts or by other people wasn't enough and we have to honor them in the way that we feel for their families and we try to think about how life would have been if they 
they didn't go through what they went through. I think it also makes us reflect on the human mind, like what was going on in the heads of the perpetrators of these crimes. Or maybe it makes us wonder if they had a sound mind or not. Did it happen out of circumstance, or did something evil and nasty click in that moment? The shows we listen to and watch can only give so much a glance or explanation to the entire picture. And I fear that on the receiving end, we will only know so much, and we will always be left puzzled.